The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Okay, and now we're back. MMA on the Rocks, episode six, part two. Still with the Portuguese man of war, <laughs> Dave Bernardino. Um, so, UFC 92, not the most exciting card to ever happen in the history of anything. Uh, no, it wasn't exciting at all. I mean, Caceres and Rodriguez, <laughs> what a fight. That fight was fucking ridiculous. That was... Definitely a pay-per-view fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those guys. I, I mean, even though Rodriguez came out on top, you, you can uh, you can keep both of those guys on the main card, as far as I'm concerned, going forward. But let's start from the bottom up, and real quick, I'm going to touch on a fight that was on the fight pass prelims, and a lot of controversy around this because a guy by the name of Cub Swanson, who's a big name in MMA, to the hardcore fans especially, and they put him on the fight pass prelims. And it, a lot of people consider it a slap in the face because he is a big name. He came off a big win in his last fight. And they put him on the Fight Pass prelims basically because they want to build up the Fight Pass platform and they want to have a big name on there. Luckily, Cub Swanson did come out with a victory against a really tough opponent, Japanese guy uh, Tatsuya Kawajiri, who's a really, really tough wrestler, and he had Cub in a lot of trouble. He, he landed some big kicks in the first round. He throws some crazy, wild kicking shit, and uh, he got him with a few big takedowns. His wrestling was a big factor, but Cub was able to come away with the uh, unanimous decision, so I just wanted to touch on that real quick. And then uh, we'll jump up real fast to the cusp of the undercard and the main card and this is dave where you started to tune in and it was the marina moroz fight versus danielle taylor oh so yeah okay. this is uh, the ukrainian versus the prison guard <laughs> and i believe it was dan taylor danielle taylor's uh ufc debut uh what are your thoughts on this fight it was a good fight um, I mean, I just remember the first round, like Moreau's just swinging and missing. Like there was a lot of swinging and missing. Yeah, a lot. Um, nothing really. She looked like she played for the Mets any time <laughs> in the last twenty, thirty years. Uh, nothing, nothing eye catching. Uh, nothing to attract attention, but uh, no. And, and neither of these these chicks are gonna be fighting for a. A title anytime soon. It was, I don't think so. It was like uh, pretty much a snooze fest. Yeah. And then um, the next fight, a little more exciting, Trevor Smith versus Joe Gelati. And uh, a lot of controversy over the pronunciation of Gelati's name because it's spelled <laughs> Gigliotti. Gigliotti. <laughs> but apparently Gelati's what he wants to go by. And he's a tough motherfucker. I mean, he got, he got punched in the head a lot. <laughs> <laughs> definitely gonna feel it in the morning <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely so trevor smith like pretty dominant in this fight even though if you'll remember he got yelled at a lot by john mccarthy yeah he was uh he got two strikes right off 
the minutes within a minute of the yes. first round, uh, <laughs> and that was for grabbing the cage twice. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not cool. Yeah. Not cool at all. I, you shouldn't be grabbing the cage. If you need to grab the cage to win over your opponent, um, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that shit. Yeah. Which is why you shouldn't be allowed to extend your fingers at all. <laughs> <laughs> not towards your opponent, not into the cage, not fucking anything. Just don't extend your fingers ever. But Trevor Smith uh, coming out with a pretty dominant victory, probably smashed Joe Gelati's face. Um, the next time I see Joe Gelati, I probably won't remember his name is pronounced Gelati. I'll probably call him Gigliotti. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much sums up how I feel about yeah. that fight. I, I didn't really care. To for me, it, it looked like uh, Gigliotti's nose was broken anyway. Yeah, so. Gigliotti, Gelati, whatever. His I mean, name if is. he's calling himself Gelati, I think by the time they fix his nose, <laughs> his name's gonna be Gigliotti. <laughs> yeah, he's Gelati gonna have <laughs> he's gonna have a. Gelada nose problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> um, the next fight was uh, Zach Cummings against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, Ponzinibbio outstruck Cummings and, and and battered his face pretty good. I mean, he was looking like Popeye by the end of that fight. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, that uh, that left eye was not nothing to look at. Yeah, and uh. Sadly, the the biggest conversation point to us while we were watching this fight was that Ponzinibbio's tag was sticking out of his shorts. <laughs> yeah, uh, which which to speaks on that. <laughs> which speaks to how exciting the the fight was because we're looking at tags coming yeah, out of his shorts. All we're talking about is the tag sticking out of his shorts. So, uh, it, by the way, Reebok, <laughs> step your game up and go tagless. Yeah. I don't think these guys are worried about how they're going to freaking wash these things. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares how the shorts get washed? I mean, they probably wear them once and then throw them out, right? Like, it, <laughs> I would think so. The amount of money these guys are making on endorsements and everything, I think they're getting new shorts every time they fight. Yeah. I mean, Reebok is fucking raping these guys of all their money not letting them have any other sponsors or anything and they could the least they could do <laughs> is make new shorts every time they fight ma- hey reebok <laughs> make some tagless fight kits <laughs> like i don't i don't think i i own clothes from target that don't have tags <laughs> and and reebok is getting paid like all these millions of dollars to make these fight kits and why are you putting tags on shit? Listen, I don't, I don't wear Reebok. Let, I take that back, you know. Reebok classics, Reebok those sneakers the classics used to make, phenomenal. I still <laughs> wear them. I don't care what anybody says. But your clothing, I don't own a piece of Reebok clothing at all. But seriously, go tagless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Step your game up, Reebok, and. And a little plug for Reebok Classics there, which we are not sponsored by, because this podcast is not sponsored by anything. But if we're going to talk about anything, it's going to be the beer we're drinking. So we started off with the Yonkers IPA, which was fucking um, delicious. Yeah. We're stepping up the the hops game right now. Yeah, we're going a little, little hoppier, a little higher up on the hop chain. And, but still staying local to Westchester County with Captain Lawrence Effortless IPA Session Ale. Lay back and enjoy an effortless IPA experience. <laughs> How do you like that plug, Captain Lawrence? Uh, <laughs> what do you think about this beer, Dave? Captain Lawrence, I'm a fan, a huge fan of their beers. Mm-hmm. Um, this IPA is a little hoppier than what we've been drinking from the 
Yonkers IPA. Yeah. It's got a little spice to it. It's got a little kick to it. I, yeah, I it does. Ha- it does leave a little spice on the tongue. Yeah, I can't hint on it. Yeah. But, uh, so it's real hoppy up front, and um, it, it, it's a little less so on the back end. So the aftertaste, you don't really get the hoppiness, but there is that little bit of spiciness that does linger, and it, it it's pretty low alcohol content for an IPA. It's 4.5%, which is nice because it's nice and light, which has kind of been a trend with the IPAs lately, where you get that strong hoppy flavor, but it's a little, you know, like the slogan says, it's it's laid back on the back end. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoy a beer that you can, you, like all these craft beers, I like the hoppiness, I like the different flavors, away from the domestics, you know, like the original Budweiser's, Bud Lights, Coors, yeah. and all that stuff. Which we love too. Oh, of course. <laughs> I love my Bud. I can't, can't get away from that, but every once in a while you need a little flavor. You yeah. Know, you go for a, a craft beer or whatever, Captain Lawrence is, I would say, a top of the chain in New York. Yeah. Um, They're up there. So out of uh, Elmsford, New York in uh, Upper Westchester County. Um, and, and from what I understand, they have a, a pretty great tasting room up there where you can go in, you pay like two bucks, and yeah, then you, you get like to that. sample you know, as, as many of their beers as you want. Um, even that, uh, you could go to their website. Uh, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's CaptainLawrence.com. Uh-huh. Uh, they do have a schedule. They have a lot of bands that perform there. Yeah. You know, they do a lot of uh, a lot outings. Of live music, yeah. yeah. A lot of outings, yeah. Uh, once in a while, when they do the concerts, they uh, get a bunch of food trucks together and go out into their parking lot, and you can enjoy the day there. Yeah, which is great, and uh, a lot of um, it's great to see that in the New York area because when I was out in Denver, a lot of you know micro brews and a lot of distilleries do this kind of thing where they bring in the food trucks, and you can come in and you can sample the beer and the whiskey and see what you like and you know they got pool tables and shit it's a big thing out there so it's awesome to see it you know popping up on on the east coast for sure and our our buddies in shillelagh law have performed at the uh captain lawrence brewery so they seem to make their rounds with the Westchester... <laughs> Anywhere that serves or sells yeah. alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever there's beer, these these guys will be popping up to play some, some modern bare-knuckle Irish music. Um, which, if you're a fan of, of old Irish folk music or... New style Irish music. Yeah, new style Irish music. These guys really put a great twist on some classic Irish songs and they've they've written some great songs over the years and their their live show is just phenomenal. I would highly recommend seeing them at Connolly's Club 45 in New York City. Yes, highly recommended. Our favorite venue to go and, <laughs> and check out a show. Pretty much remember getting there, don't remember leaving. There, but <laughs> That's how you know you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a good time with Shillelagh Low when you don't remember the rest of your night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys can drink. They're known most famously for passing bottles of Jameson around the crowd. And As they, an Irish band should be known for. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, usually they start doing it at a point in the show where you're not worried about contracting Zika or, <laughs> or anything I'm from... pretty sure Jameson <laughs> takes care of the Zika yeah. and anything that comes along with it. I, I mean, Jameson takes care of a lot of life's problems. <laughs> but uh, let's let's jump back into this fight night card. So the next fight was uh, Talis Latis and Chris Camozzi 
which I was hoping would be one of the standout fights on the fight card, and and that's kind of what I predicted in, in the last podcast. Um, a little bit underwhelming. I mean, Talos Latis beat Kamozi up, but he bruised his face up in the in the first and second round, and really tried to implement his his jujitsu game. Talos Latis is world class on the ground, and he wound up submitting him. Um, about three minutes into the third round. With a choke. Yeah. He, he got a rear naked choke, and, and Chris Camozzi just seemed overwhelmed by the jiu-jitsu of Talos Latis. Yeah, he did. Uh, I don't think he uh, he was up to par with how good his jiu-jitsu was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and few can be up to par with the jiu-jitsu of Talos Latis. I mean, world champion in jiu-jitsu and the guy's been in and out of the ufc when when he first came on the scene he was known you know only as a jiu-jitsu player and not really for any striking but he's he's added some striking in uh later on in his career and you know he's still only 34 it seems like he's been around for a long ass time i mean he's, he fought anderson silva for the title in a really pitiful fight i, I was actually they're live for that one back in 2009 at uh, UFC 97. And I remember a lot of people getting up and leaving. Where was this 97? Uh, that was in Montreal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was at the Bell Center in Montreal. It was actually the first UFC I've ever seen live and in person. It was an amazing experience. but And it was kind of cool that a lot of people were getting up and leaving because I was able to get out of my nosebleed seats and walk all the way, <laughs> way down close. But uh, Talos Latis just basically laying on his back and challenging Anderson Silva to come fight him on the ground, which obviously Anderson Silva wanted nothing to do with. But uh, in any case, Talos Latis choking the shit out of Chris Camozzi with a rear naked choke. And then we get into uh, Dennis Bermudez and Honey Jason. Now, this was a bloody fucking fight. I mean, Dennis Bermudez had some explosive wrestling which was the tail of the fight and he opened up a huge cut on honey jason's forehead i mean he was looking like <laughs> he's gonna look like harry potter for the rest of his life <laughs> yeah that's definitely not harry potter scar right there <laughs> he, uh. he opened up he opened up a fucking crater <laughs> like let the ada test him now because whatever was in his blood's out now <laughs> yeah yeah if there's <laughs> If there's any, if there's ever a time for Honey Jason to get tested, it's now because he has very little blood left in his body. Um, I think NASA is exploring the crater on his forehead right now, and uh, Voldemort <laughs> and, and uh, Hermione Granger—they're all. Everybody's everybody's coming out of the storybooks to check this out, but. Um, you know what? A really gutsy performance by Honey Jason because he got completely dominated in the first two rounds. I would say even a 10-8 round for Bermudez in the second. Um, c- completely dominant, but I-, I feel like Honey Jason almost won that third round, and you could even argue that he did win that third round, and he was able to get on top and get Bermudez in a bad spot. And the fact that he had the shit beaten out of him and he had that giant crevice open up like that Grand Canyon in the middle of his forehead and the fact that he was still fighting hard in the third round really speaks to how gutsy and gritty he is as a fighter. I mean the story of the fight was Dennis Bermudez and his explosive wrestling and I think he only missed one takedown 
out of like yeah. six or seven attempts. I mean, so he was able to put Honey Jason on his back. And Honey Jason, before this fight, said, if Bermudez takes me down, I'm going to kiss him, which well, I don't you know. start pucking her up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might be puckering up his forehead. <laughs> Hopefully. Something, just to, just something's to, puckering just up. Just to seal it off at this point. But uh, he was so confident in his jujitsu that he thought it would be a blessing for Bermudez to take him down. But... Uh, Bermuda has shown some nasty ground and pound and, and really just pounded the shit out of Hani Jason. Uh, interesting fight, very bloody fight. And that takes us to the main event, which was a fucking circus. Epic fight. It has to be one of the best UFC fights that I probably have seen this year. Okay, so as a casual fan, do you have any idea who Yair Rodriguez or Alex Caceres are? No. Absolutely not. Okay. So if you're flipping around the channels and you stumble upon Fox Sports 1 and you come across this fight, what are you thinking? I didn't even know what I was thinking when I was watching this fight. You know, <laughs> To me, if I was scrolling through the channels and I'd seen these two guys, I wouldn't even know they were fighting. It looked like the Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. <laughs> it, looked like, it looked like a capoeira fight. Like it a, did. Like it a did. Brazilian street fight. I where, was pretty sure I was watching the Olympics and watching gymnastics right there. Yeah, <laughs> where every now and then, you know, <laughs> and the the Olympic opening ceremony looked much like a Cirque du Soleil <laughs> performance too. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Yeah, so. it was it was bit, like they were doing Cirque du Soleil and like the the guy who directed the original Cirque du Soleil choreographed it, and then they were. They were putting together IKEA furniture at one point. I'm pretty sure it was it was pretty fucking crazy. All over the board. I don't know what I was watching, but I wish I was on drugs. Um, <laughs> Wasn't sure if you should be building IKEA furniture or not. Yeah, guys giving instructions on TV. I was like, oh, that's how you put together that bookcase. <laughs> My bookcase but, doesn't look like that. They were doing some crazy shit, but not nearly as much crazy shit as Yair Rodriguez and Alex Caceres in this fight. I mean, these guys are throwing. I, Yair Rodriguez with fucking somersault kicks and front flip yeah, kicks and I'm pretty I don't even know what to call that I mean Casera's got didn't even know where these legs were coming from yeah he, just... at the end of the fight he caught a front flip kick yeah. to the neck yeah I don't even think he saw that coming <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody saw it coming and I don't even see how it's physically possible that he landed like the front part of his foot on his neck after flipping, like, the, the physics of it are baffling me. And I don't know if it's the amount of IPAs I've had tonight or just... I don't, I don't think so because I, I was thinking the feet were coming out of the screen. That was how mm-hmm. many flips were coming because yeah. I wasn't expecting them. There might have been one or two. I mean, if, this was, <laughs> if you had one of those 3D TVs that, that actually... That absolutely bombed in the marketplace. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> this would have been a fun fucking fight to watch on one of those because there would have been feet flying at your face. If your TV didn't suck, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of those shitty 3D TVs that, that doesn't <laughs> even do 3D, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna buy it anyway. <laughs> yeah, this would be this would be a pretty cool experience for like the the VR that's taken off, like the Oculus and. I know uh, Samsung is big into the VR. Yeah. So what is this VR? I didn't even know. Oh, about the this. The, not... the virtual reality stuff. It's like a it's like a mask. I actually have one of them. I can show you later. So it's a mask, and your phone can clip to the front of it. Okay. And the way it started out, a company called Oculus developed these 
uh, 3D goggles, basically. Okay. And Samsung bought them up, and originally you, you could only use it with a Samsung phone, and they made some 3D content where you put the goggles on, and anywhere you look, you know, the, the scenery moves with you, with the way you look, oh, and you can, you cool. can actually walk through a scene, and they don't have a ton of content, but they do have some stuff that's pretty cool. They actually teamed up with great adventure recently and they made a 3d roller coaster so it's like a motion simulator and then you can look around and it looks like you're sitting in a roller coaster so everywhere you look there's like a different scene you could see like the scenery of the theme park and all this shit interesting and they're trying to break into the sports realm from what i hear and what i read on the internet and you know so as if you can experience like a basketball game as if you're actually on the court okay so i don't know if they have these guys the players wearing sensors or, or whatever the case, but if you're gonna do an MMA VR experience, this is the fucking fight. I think you would get motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 put like a sensor on Yair Rodriguez's foot, and you're gonna feel like more nauseous than on any roller coaster on the planet. I'm pretty sure you might get whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> you might. You, you could get hurt watching this fight in VR, but crazy fucking fight. Yair Rodriguez won a split decision, which means one of these judges gave it to Alex Caceres. Now, how did you see this fight playing out? Pretty much explained it. Uh, I seen first round go straight to, well, second second round Caceres had it, and Rodriguez had first round. Third round was up for grabs, but I think he wrapped that up with that front flip kick to the neck. In the fifth round? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so I had it. I had Yair running, winning uh, one and two. I think Caceres won round three. three and four, four could have gone either way. Caceres landed some big bombs in round four, and then five. I think Yair edged it out. Um, but the fucking pace these guys kept for yeah. five rounds was ridiculous. They were coming into the fifth round as if it was the first. Yeah. A hundred miles a minute. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I really yeah. have not. They and literally beat the shit out of each other for five rounds, and they had the balls to come out with in the fifth round as if they were starting the fight. Yeah. And I, I really want to watch this again because now that you're bringing it up, I don't think I've ever seen two guys keep a pace like this. No. And neither of them seemed to be really hurt at any point in the fight. No. No. There was one point where I thought Yair Rodriguez was maybe a little rocked, but these guys were landing shots from every angle possible, and they're still flying at each other. The only thing that uh, didn't really worry me, but I saw that it was Sarah's dropping out, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's tough to tell because whenever he went into his corner, he was breathing heavy Yeah, when he was sitting on the chair. He was breathing heavy, but he still came out. Fight. Full energy. Yeah. Full energy. I've never seen any of that. I've, seen, I've never seen anybody winded coming out with full energy. Yeah. And and Caceres is a guy who is very animated. He's got the whole Bruce Leroy gimmick going on. He's got the big hair. Um, so let's, uh, let's hold that up right there. Let's uh, talk about anime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even mean to make that pun because I was actually, I, <laughs> I was actually leading into that. Uh, so he's very animated very into anime <laughs> um says he doesn't even watch mma 
doesn't follow the sport. Doesn't watch ha- regular TV. Has never heard of Yair Rodriguez until he found out he was fighting him, but is very into anime. And I don't know. Just I, hearing that, I think he's got Pokemon Go. I, he probably does. I mean, the guy's <laughs> that's in, his that's his uh his cardio for the day. The guy's <laughs> in great shape. I'm sure he's. I mean, you just saw him go balls out for five rounds. I mean, he's probably chased down the the baddest ass Pokemon that are out there. Like he's probably just like running marathons to catch these motherfuckers. But um, do you think that? You know, his interest in anime and and his lack of interest in watching MMA, is this guy so good because he's living in, like, an alternate reality? Like, he's not he's not living in the reality that you and I are in. He's watching these cartoons, these Japanese cartoons, and he, and he thinks he has superpowers or some shit like that? I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking in his head. Um, I mean, he's coming out with all these front flips and kicks and crazy shit that's like would baffle the most veteran MMA guy. Yeah. You know? But you also gotta look at Rodriguez. Rodriguez is throwing some crazy shit too and he doesn't seem to be the one to watch anime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. He's not into anime. He's actually into like jumping out of planes and shit. Which I could see. Um, because he's just doing fucking cartwheels and front flips and all, all this stuff. Um, I mean, that's pretty interesting, too, you know, jumping yeah. out of planes and shit on your regular time. Yeah, so you have two guys on, like, pretty much the opposite ends of the spectrum uh, in terms of their their social habits. But overall, uh, a very underwhelming card that was finished off in very exciting fashion, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely... Let's just say if Dana White was watching that fight, he'd definitely be proud. Yeah, and I, I don't think he was there in attendance. He usually doesn't attend these smaller cards anymore um, just because he's, you know, all over the world and he's got his YouTube show and whatever the fuck else he's doing, just, you know, being a crazy millionaire. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if you if you own the UFC, you can't be disappointed with that fight. But, you know, on the East Coast, this fight is coming on TV at 1 o'clock in the morning. Yep. So... You know, if you're looking to gain viewership and and gain momentum, if people are flipping through during prime time and they see some of these snoozer fights earlier on the card, what's that really doing for the brand? I mean, granted, if if it's like, you know, 8 o'clock at night on the East Coast and you're flipping through and you see Yair Rodriguez doing fucking somersaults and kicking (laughs) a guy in the neck, like, you might stop and watch and check this out and go on the UFC website and say, you know, who are these guys? But these, these free cards are always great for the hardcore fans. But, you know, as far as recruiting new fans, this card is not gonna do it because you know, you had some snoozer fights early on when you might catch people scrolling through the channels and saying like, hey, let me check out this ultimate fighting shit. Um, and, and, and if this is a fight that came on earlier in the night, you might do it. And you're gonna have a lot of highlights that you can show later on, but as far as like getting people in the moment, I don't think it does the job. No, no, definitely not. There was a couple fights in there that I'm pretty sure viewers would have changed the channel. Yeah. Um, I mean, then, we were we were watching it, and and you know, you and I we we got into some side conversations. We probably missed, 
you know, a good portion of the action that was going on in these fights. And so th- at the end of the day, this fight is going to be something that was for the hardcore fans, the, the fans who already know who a lot of these guys are, you know, maybe casual fans not tuning in for this. And if they did, they're very underwhelmed. Now, as a casual fan yourself, as we've talked about, I have to get your opinion on the upcoming fight in about two weeks, which is a rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Um, this this has to be one of the most highly publicized fights. It's it's anticipated to be the highest selling pay per view in UFC history. As as a casual fan of the UFC and someone who usually only watches when I I text you and say, "Hey Dave, come over and watch UFC." <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on this upcoming pay per view? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, uh, seeing that seeing that fight originally. And what Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz did to each other, and yeah, they the, perform- fucked- and the performance they put on, they fucked each other up. <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, more so Conor McGregor fucking up Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz came out a little bloody, but yeah. Nate Diaz, I, I think his jujitsu was on point. Uh, oh yeah, you know he definitely gave Conor McGregor a run for his money. Yeah, and him choking him out, I think Conor McGregor got a wake up call because. Conor McGregor never seen a fight like that before. I think Conor McGregor's won on knockouts most of the time, taking it over his opponents. Yeah, you know. Well, in the UFC, that's been the case. Before he came to the UFC, his weakness was always his grappling. He's been choked unconscious twice in his career, and I believe those are the two losses he's had on his record as a professional. So the the jiu-jitsu has always been a big hole in his game, and he claims to be a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but there have been pictures of him on the internet (laughs) um, and and videos of him grappling and not doing so well, and there have been pictures of him wearing his brown belt, not tied properly. Okay. So, which makes you think, like, if he doesn't know how to tie his belt properly, is it really a brown belt? And then Nate Diaz... First of all, the way he choked him out was he he beat him up standing first, and he made yes. Connor shoot for a sloppy takedown. Yes, and that's how it got to the ground. It wasn't even Nate's choice to take it to the ground, but Nate Diaz is a legitimate black belt under Caesar Gracie, as is his brother Nick Diaz. So a point I brought up earlier tonight. Now I don't see a way really for Connor to win this fight. In the last fight, Nate, you know. He took a beating in the first round. Yeah, he got bloodied up. He rocked Connor, and then he took him down and choked him out. Now, remember, Nate Diaz was a late replacement in that fight because Connor McGregor was supposed to fight Rafael Dos Anjos for right. the lightweight title. Rafael Dos Anjos broke his foot 12 days before the fight, something like that. Nate Diaz was out drinking tequila in Cabo on yeah. a boat, not training at all came in and was able to destroy Connor, you know, choke him, make him tap. But when you talk about fighting, I mean, when Nate Diaz is Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's not something you really trained for, you know? he that's, that's natural to him now. That's a good point. Yeah, when you're a high-level black belt like that, it, it is second nature, you know, and it it could have if it had gone a little longer, or if if Connor didn't get rocked, you know, would his conditioning have have played a factor in that? But now Nate Diaz is coming in with a full training camp. He's coming in in shape, and and granted, Connor is too. 
But oh. who knows that Connor is pulling up his sleeve because he knows what to expect now. Yeah. Who who knows? But I on paper, I don't see a way for Connor to win this fight, especially because he lost to Nate Diaz when he came in on short notice. Now he's coming in with a full fight camp and he's preparing for Connor and he's been in there with Connor and he knows what to expect from him. He knows how hard he can hit. So on paper, I don't see a way that Connor wins this fight. That being said, anything can happen in this fucking sport. Anything. Now, my hope, what I think would make the most money for this sport is if Connor somehow pulls off an impressive victory. Say he knocks Nate Diaz out in the first round. Nate's brother Nick just came off a suspension last week. Okay. He was suspended initially for five years for marijuana, which is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Even that, though marijuana is legal almost all over the United States now. Yeah, it's legal in a lot of places. And I don't see how marijuana is a performing enhancing drug by any means. Yeah. The only know. argument you can make is that if you smoke some pot, you're not going to feel as much pain, which is <laughs> a, a fair argument. Does, does, anyway, oh, and forget the fact that the fight that he was busted for marijuana, he was fighting a guy who tested positive for steroids. Yeah, so I'd rather pick the guy with marijuana than steroids. Yeah. Because and don't get me wrong, whoever does steroids, whatever, doesn't make you a weaker fighter or whatever. But if you need to be on steroids to prove that you're the man in UFC, yeah, there's something wrong. Well, granted, that person who tested positive for steroids was Anderson Silva. But <laughs> which, well, that was before, that was after he broke his leg. After he broke his leg, which you know that's questionable because that could have been medical part of the treatment. Yeah, I say it. I mean, you and I both saw the way he snapped his leg in half. I say <laughs> let that guy let that guy take whatever he wants. <laughs> if he's getting back in that cage, you know, let him take anything. Inject him with horse adrenaline. <laughs> But uh, like like we said, you know, we mentioned before, and we've always talked about on the side, you know, uh, the way he broke his leg. I'm pretty sure the guy would be on steroids too. I, I would, would want to be on steroids too. I would never get in there again. <laughs> I would never even like run a lap around a track after my <laughs> leg snap. I, I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. But in any case, getting back, Nick Diaz, his suspension was initially five years for marijuana. Fucking ridiculous. We could have, we could go on and on about that. It was reduced to a year and a half. His suspension just ended last week. So say Connor beats Nate in convincing fashion. Now he's gonna have to go against Nick. Say, I mean, <laughs> if he's fighting up at 170, which is which is Nick's weight class right now. I mean, Nick has fought at 185. He's fought at 170. He can come back and fight at 170. Say Connor beats Nate convincingly, and you have Nick Diaz versus Connor McGregor at Madison Square Garden in November. This is doing 2 million pay-per-view buys easily. Yes, yes. Well, not even that. Uh, well, who, who did that call out tonight to, uh, for UFC in Madison Square Garden? Oh, Dennis Bermudez called out Frankie Edgar to yes, fight at Madison Frankie Square Edgar. Garden. Yeah, you got yeah. called out. Yeah. I mean, that takes a lot of balls. It does take a lot of balls. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight Frankie Edgar. But, <laughs> I mean, if you want to move up the food chain at 145 pounds, I guess you got to you got to fight somebody. But, I mean, this New York card, everybody wants to get on it. it seems I don't like. blame them one bit. I can't wait to be there. Yeah, I can't wait to be there either. I mean, as soon as the pre-sale go on, you know, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, I, I'm there. 100%. I mean, you and I both are born and raised in New York, and we've been waiting for MMA to come here forever. We've both, you know, taken the trip out to New Jersey. I've gone as far as 
Montreal. Fuck, I've gone as far as Japan <laughs> yeah, to see have. a fight. I've I've gone all the way around the world to watch mixed martial arts, to watch UFC, and I've never been able to watch it in my home state. Yep. This is a big fucking deal. This is history in the making. Yeah. History in the making. And to have, like you said, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, Frankie Edgar, you know, like... Yeah. Uh, Chris Weidman, a big, you know, New York guy wants wants on that card. Um, you know, John Jones is technically a well, New Yorker, but... Uh, Let's let's see if but, he actually makes this fight this time. Yeah, I mean he might get pulled out a week before anyway. Yeah. I mean he he. <laughs> I mean since uh since he's been caught uh sniffing the old booger sugar. Uh, yeah. He hasn't really made any fights lately. <laughs> but but uh, uh, yeah, definitely history in the making. It, um, if John Jones could get on that New York card, I mean it's it, it it's fuck. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say it, but. I don't care if they put fucking Doink the Clown from WWF. I'm 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 at Madison Square Garden. I'm getting a ticket. I'm gonna be there. Yeah, this, UFC, is, this is history. UFC in Madison Square Garden is definitely history in the making. Uh, I know everybody's been fighting for it. Definitely exciting. Very very exciting. Yeah, I mean I can't wait for MMA to come to New York. But anyway, at this point, I feel like going to the fridge and grabbing either another Captain Lawrence or another. Uh, Yonkers IPA and, and just kind of chilling. I mean, it, it's been an exciting, exciting night thanks to Alex Caceres and Yair Rodriguez. Um, a really phenomenal fight. One, but one thing about that fight, I mean, no matter who won, I think they both won. Yeah, the sportsmanship that they showed to each yeah, other yeah. is for sure out, out of this world. And it, yeah, they hugged at the end, at the beginning of the fifth round, and then. You know, the showmanship, the flashiness, the, the fighting style. You could bring either one of these guys back to be a main event. So, all that being said, I'm game to grab another beer. Do you have any other kind of culminating thoughts for your first time on the podcast? No, no, not really. I mean, it was a great experience. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to be back for another uh, podcast. But nice. just can't wait to enjoy more alcohol. <laughs> all right. Well, the Portuguese man of war. You heard it here. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. And for uh, for the rest of you guys, thanks for listening. And, you know, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at MMA on the Rocks. Let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening.